You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Today we continue on in our series of identity. We just have a couple more weeks after this week in this passage. Next week, Pastor Jason will be walking us through our next to last uh, sermon in this sermon series, and then we'll wrap it up in two weeks, and then we'll start heading into the book of Genesis together and excited about that opportunity. As we've been looking here in Ephesians chapter 1, taking this passage piece by piece, phrase by phrase, looking at the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we consider the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ because of the gospel, we understand that we are a very wealthy people spiritually, that we have been God's grace and mercy has been showered upon us very, very liberally through His blessings we have in Christ. And so we've been talking about over the last few weeks how these spiritual blessings that the Apostle Paul lists for us in Ephesians 1, that this impacts our identity, that these spiritual blessings define us that there's nothing else in our life that defines us. And if we allow anything else as believers in our lives to define us, then we are guilty of idolatry. So it is crucial for us as brothers and sisters in Christ and as believers in Jesus Christ to understand what we receive because of what Christ has done for us, just how richly blessed we are. And as we understand, and if we can begin to grasp, and I believe we can only begin to grasp, if we can just begin to scratch the surface of understanding just how wealthy we are spiritually because of the blessings of Christ, then we will have an identity as God's people that will ultimately bring glory to Him. We saw the first week, we saw that as God's people, we are chosen in Christ, that before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in Him, and we were chosen and predestined in Him to be holy and blameless in love before Him. We saw that He predestined us to be adopted as His sons, that we are adopted, we are an adopted people, we have received adoption through Christ. We saw that we, have, uh, that we have received redemption through His blood, that we have been redeemed, that through the blood of Christ, we have been bought back out of spiritual slavery. We have seen that through His redemption, we have received forgiveness of our sins. We are a forgiven people. We have seen, we saw last week that we are enlightened in Christ, that we can know the mystery of His will. We can know and understand God's re- redemptive plan that in the past God has worked through history to redeem us to Himself, and that in the future, ultimately, King Jesus is going to come back and complete our redemption. Well, this morning we're going to re- see that we are a people that have received an inheritance. And we're going to pick up in verse 11 but so that we can 
see the full context of what's going on in this passage. Let's start in verse 3, and we'll read all the way down into verse 11 and 12. It says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before Him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He lavished on us in the Beloved One. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, that He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, that He purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on the earth in Him. In Him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of His will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to His glory. When we think of inheritance, what do we think of? We think of some rich, distant relative, maybe some great-great-uncle that had billions of dollars that we had not known, and then we get a knock on the door, and an attorney knocks on our door. And now usually when an attorney knocks on your door, that's not a good thing. But in this scenario, this would be a good thing. An attorney knocks on our door, we open the door, and the attorney uses your name and says, According to this legal document, this will that your great-great-uncle has uh, placed in front of you, that you inherit $1 billion. That would be life-changing, wouldn't it? When we think of inheritance, that's immediately what we think of. As we're going to see this morning, that we have received an inheritance through, through Christ. Now, we need to understand when we talk about inheritance, we are that we can have a few different phrases, a few different, uh, a few different definitions. The phrase, look at this here again in verse 11. In Him we have also received an inheritance. The phrase, we have received an inheritance, is a compound word in Greek. Now, I know immediately when I say that, you start to glaze over. You say, Adam, I don't know Greek. It's Greek to me. That's fine. But let me explain this. This phrase, we have received an inheritance, is one compound word in Greek. That means it can have two different meanings. Paul speaks of something in the future that is sure to happen. So the translation here of inheritance is difficult. It could mean we are made an inheritance, where, where this is talking about this word inheritance means a heritage, right? So it, how many of you have ever gone onto like Ancestry.com and you have laid out all of your family tree? Anyone into the Ancestry things? Okay, a few of you are. That's good. That's really interesting. My grandfather and his brothers on my mom's side have done that. I've had the opportunity where my grandfather on the kitchen table has rolled out a full Cooper, this is the Cooper side, a full Cooper family line going back to like 
1,200, okay? And they've tracked it all the way to 1,200, come to find out that in my family, like a great-great-uncle of mine was uh, Miles Standish that came over on the, on the Mayflower. So there's some of our, our family heritage. And it's very popular. You can go to, there's a place at Independence, there's a, a heritage foundation where you can go and study and find out more about your family ancestry, your heritage, And so this word, we have received an inheritance, it could mean we are made an inheritance or heritage. We have received an inheritance. The former is a notion that we are God's possession, an idea repeatedly mentioned in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see the heritage laid out for us, don't we? We see in Genesis 12 that God told Abraham that through his family, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So we see that all the way back to the father Abraham. And so we see that that heritage, that spiritual heritage. Have you ever been reading through your Bible and you come to a genealogy? Well, what happens a lot of times when we're reading through Scripture and we come to a genealogy? What do we do? We speed read it, or maybe just skip it altogether, okay? Now, we have to remember 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. So why are those genealogies in Genesis 4 and Matthew 1 given? It's to show that heritage, to show that family line of who? What's the big deal? Of Jesus Christ to show that there is a heritage, there is a genealogy. And then from from Abraham to Christ, we are here because we have received so many, so much spiritual blessings. So we as God's people, we have a, if we so choose to understand the translation here, we have received a rich inheritance, a rich heritage. And when we look back through Christ and all the way through church history and the apostles spreading the gospel through Asia and Europe, and then the gospel comes to the United States from Europe, and we look at church history, and we just went through 2,000 years of church history in about 10 seconds, but when you look at our history as the church, we have a rich heritage because of Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles over to First Peter chapter two. If you have that in front of you, First Peter chapter two, we're going to read verses nine and ten. Here's what Peter says. He says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood." a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy. As a faith family, if we want to understand our family history, we see it right here in nine and, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In the Old Testament, God's chosen people was Israel. Now, in the church age, in the New Testament, we, the church, are God's chosen people. 
We are a holy nation. We are a people for his possession. And so in the Old Testament, we see that the Old Testament Israelites, the nation of Israel, is a picture of what the church was going to become, God's chosen people. And so we have a rich heritage. So if we want to, back in Ephesians 1, if we want to use to see the translation that is very difficult to understand, that we have received an inheritance or we are made an inheritance or heritage, we can understand that we have a rich heritage as God's people in Christ. But we also can translate this and understand this as an inheritance of that idea of an attorney knocking on our door and we inherit a lot of money. So as we look at this again, verse 11, in him we have also received an inheritance. What, does, what is an inheritance? It's getting something that you did not previously have because of who your family is. That's an inheritance, all right? So usually when a family member passes away, you may inherit money. You may um, inherit dishes. You may inherit furniture. You may receive something that was not previously yours because of who your family is. Because of who your family is, you have a right, okay? You don't have a right to my great-grandmother's dishes. I do. Why? Because I'm her great-grandson, I don't have the right to furniture of your families, of your great-great-grandparents. Why? Because I am not part of your family. An inheritance is getting something based on who our family is. And so as we understand in him, we have also received an inheritance. An inheritance is receiving something you didn't earn. Someone uh, Someone else earned it for you. Someone earned it for us. And so when we look at this passage and we begin to understand in him, in Christ, we have received an inheritance because of Christ, we receive an inheritance. Now, because we are a people, what do I get? What do we receive as an inheritance of Christ? What is your inheritance? If you are in a believer in Jesus Christ today, what is your inheritance? So let me open up the legal document for you and explain to us what our inheritance is. Your inheritance is ultimately this. You get God. You know God. You have been reconciled to God and to his people. You get Christ. You know him. He knows you. And one day you will be with him face to face. You receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guarantees your salvation. The Holy Spirit is there for your counseling for your wisdom, for your discernment. Faith family, that is the inheritance and ultimately the blessings that flow from that. What an inheritance. Our inheritance as believers is we get God. We get to know God. 
And one day we will be with God and know Him and be with Him and see Him face to face. That is our inheritance. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Let me explain to us more what we have inherited through Christ. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I think if I were to have a favorite chapter in the Bible, I really like Romans 8. Romans 8 starts out as it's a celebration, really. The Apostle Paul here in Romans 8, he's just, he's throwing a party, a spiritual party. Because he starts out in verse 1, he says, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He talks about that we are no longer condemned in sin in the flesh, that we receive, that we, that, that we, that we, we, that he condemned us, condemned sin in the flesh. We are made in the likeness of Christ, that we don't have to sin. Our sinful, our sinful nature is dead in Christ. But look at verse 12. I want to explain what our inheritance is, how deep it really truly runs. Look at verse 12. It says this, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the, to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. You remember a few weeks ago when James explain to us the spiritual adoption we have in Christ. But now, because of our adoption, let's see what we inherit in Christ. And if, verse 17, and if children also heirs, not the heirs of a baseball going through your legs, but heirs. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. So as part of our inheritance we receive in Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ, or as other translations say, joint heirs with Christ. What does that mean as we unpack this legal document that is explaining our spiritual inheritance? As co-heirs or joint heirs with Christ, that means we share our inheritance. Now, that might, we could think that's bad, right? Okay, back to this illustration of this great, great uncle sending us a billion dollars. If we have to share that billion dollars, do we inherit a billion dollars? No. We each receive, make sure my math is right, $500 million, okay? So, in that a joint heir thing, we might, because we're selfish people, might think, oh, I don't want to be a joint heir. But see, now this is good news spiritually as co-heirs, as joint heirs with Christ, because that means this. We receive the same inheritance that Jesus Christ receives. We receive, we get what Christ gets. So the relationship that Jesus has as God, with God the Father, we too receive. Faith family, don't miss the significance of this. 
that everything that Christ receives as the Son of God, we too receive as co-heirs with Christ. What Jesus gets, we get. We are co-heirs with Christ. That's why Jesus told his, his disciples, you will call me brother. He is our brother. We receive what Christ receives. We are co-heirs if, with Christ. And, but look at this last phrase here in verse 17 of Romans 8. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. What does the apostle Paul mean when he says, if we indeed we suffer with him, that means we die with him. Now you say, wait a minute, Adam, we can't be on the cross with Christ. No. What this means is when Christ died on the cross, our sinful nature died with him. And so as we receive the inheritance of Christ, we receive salvation, then our old self, our sinful nature, dies with him. It is, we are dead. That is why back up in verse 13, look at it again. He says, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, our sin died with him. That's why we baptize by immersion. Because baptism is a symbol of, of a inward, a, a outward symbol of an inward reality. When we place that person under the water, that signifies that they are dying with Christ, that, they, that their sins are buried with Christ. It's a picture that Christ was buried. Now, do we live that, leave that person under the water? No, because that's drowning. We pull them back up, and that symbolizes the resurrection of Christ. And because of the resurrection of Christ, we now are resurrected, resurrected with Christ, and we are a brand new creation in Him. That is the picture of baptism. So when someone's baptized, they are saying, this has happened in my life. My sin has died with Christ. And so if we are going to be co-heirs, joint heirs with Christ, we, our sinful nature, must suffer and die with him. We must be a brand new creation. So now back over into Ephesians chapter 1. And my ribbon fell. There it is. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 11. In him we have also received an inheritance. So you say, Adam, in this translation, heritage or inheritance, what does this mean? It both means really good stuff. So pick one. Pick one. I believe, this is just for free, I believe it means both that we have received this rich heritage in Christ, we have received this inheritance in Christ, and this defines our identity. But let's keep going. Let's unpack this inheritance, out, uh, unpack it a little bit more. Verse 11, in him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works everything works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Last week, we talked about that mystery of his will. What was the mystery of his will? To provide this inheritance to us. 
We were predestined for this. We were predestined according to his plan. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but I know that that word predestination is one of the most debated and divisive words in, in the Bible, but it should not be because it's a Bible word. I mean, we just mentioned the word predestination, and you see people tense up. You talk about the doctrine of election, and someone's going to be mad. And it shouldn't be that way. Because as God's children, according to his plan, we were predestined to be adopted as his sons and daughters. He put a plan, a will together to adopt us, and because of our adoption, we receive an inheritance. So what predestination really means, it just means God chose to have kids. God chose to adopt us. God put a plan together to adopt us. Why did God have spiritual kids? Was it because God was lonely? No. Because God needed us? No. God put this plan of adoption and inheritance together that we call predestination to glorify himself, to bring himself and display his glory. All throughout the Bible, God chooses people, the nation of Israel, to display his glory, and God has chosen and predestined us, his church, to display his glory. Because look at further on the verse 12. So that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. The reason why God adopts us into his family in Christ and predestines this adoption, and then gives us an inheritance, both a heritage and an inheritance in Christ, is so that we can bring praise to His glory to make Him, to make him known. And so I want to ask you the question, have you received the adoption of Christ? Have you received an inheritance? Are you a co-heir, a joint heir with Christ? If you are here this morning and you never have believed, let me believe in Jesus. Let me tell you, there is adoption into God's family and there is an inheritance that comes with it. That you can know God. You can come into fellowship with Him. You can be reconciled to Him. Your sins can be forgiven. You don't have to live with the guilt of your past. That you can receive Christ as your inheritance. And that what He receives as the Son of God, you too can receive. And if we are here this morning, if we are a believer, we need to understand we have a rich heritage. We receive a rich inheritance, and we are not our own. And this is our true identity. And so if this is our identity, if this defines us, this is going to affect the way that we live. So we must ask ourselves the question, do we live up to our rich heritage? Do we live in a way that is worthy of our inheritance? Because if we do, if we live in a way and our identity is changed by all of this, then we can 
bring praise to His glory. We can make God known, but if we live our own way and we take advantage and we take for granted this heritage and inheritance we have, we rob God of His glory. So we must live worthy of His inheritance that He has provided for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you that you have predestined us, you have chosen us to be adopted as your sons and daughters, and that because of that adoption, we receive an inheritance. God, we thank you for the rich heritage we have, that all the way back in Genesis 3, you told our great-great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, that the Messiah was going to come and save us. We thank you that we receive an inheritance, that Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to be joint heirs, co-heirs with you, that we receive what you receive. Help us to live worthy of that. And then we ask, Holy Spirit, if there is anyone here that has not come into adoption with you, we pray that you would call them to, to yourself, open their eyes to their need of salvation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.